Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour. I am excited today. I have a guest that is one of my favorites. He's an actor. He's a teacher. He is a friend of the show. The amazing, the extraordinary, Mr. James Dumont. How are you, good sir? Hello. Everybody loves pudding. Who doesn't love pudding? <laughs> That's right. What's your favorite pudding flavor? Well, you know, it kind of kind of fluctuates between the the tapioca, which makes me sound old, so I usually say something like butterscotch. So that's a little more. <laughs> that's right. I got you. I'm, I'm with you on that one. I'm like, I, I like me some chocolate too, but man, you make a good butterscotch or a tapioca. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you aren't kidding. It has been a couple of years since we've had you on the show. A lot has happened. I mean, I thought a lot had happened when we had you on before because we were coming out of the pandemic and everything was just right. insane. It's like nothing crazier can happen than this. What could possibly happen? <laughs> Two industry strikes, uh, <laughs> you know, $20 billion lost in the California economy. You know, what, what could possibly go? What could possibly happen? How what can't you do that you haven't already done? Right. I mean, it's not like 100 years ago where they had a world war and a pandemic at the same time. Oh, oh you had a depression world war and a pandemic it was like the trifecta of like human suffering <laughs> yeah it was pretty bad but how how so has... now we got two world wars we had two industry you know thing i mean like you know it's uh and the planet's melting so you know we, we we're, it's an interesting time it's a great time to tell stories but the the important question is how is team demont handling this is is are you thriving is the is the family still doing well are they ready to be in the yeah. christmas spirit well, that's the thing. The family is good. I, I, all the all the bases are covered. Uh, my oldest daughter graduated from Cornell. Now she works for Dartmouth. Wow. Full time job, benefits, the whole deal. She's part of a union. It's like it's fantastic. So check that box. My son is on his second year at uh, Bennington College up in Vermont, and uh, he and I are both on the Righteous Gemstones together. We've been greenlit for a fourth season. Woo! They tell us that we're going to have some really great storylines, uh, you know, individually and collectively. Um, so, and he did an airline highway. He did a play that was started here in New Orleans uh, up at school, and was you know uh, lucky. I I thought he's amazing because I'm a parent, but then when you have like you know Mary Louise Parker Oscar you know nominee. Her son is in the same play with my son, and we used to work together. And she's like, "Your son's amazing." I said, "Your son's amazing." So yes, so I, I have a new, you know, new home that I rent here in New Orleans. We downsized because you know two bedrooms were empty for ten months a year. So yeah, we got a big old yard and a big, you know, sunroom, and life is good. Now I did get through it. It was, it, I, I, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat and and you know BS here because you know I I always kind of just speak my my truth. Indeed. Is uh yeah, it was extremely difficult. Had I not had a lot of network, you know, shows under my belt, had I not had gemstones, you know, the season before, um have I not had, you know, 1300 students online collectively, you know, on Zoom teaching, uh I think it would have been, you know, extremely, you know, I I came out of it. We made it. I wouldn't say thriving. I said, you know, we're surviving in a sense. I think thriving is really, uh, I think everybody's trying to figure out what the new normal is mm -hmm. um, in our business. Um, I know there are some, some, you know, rules and things that have kind of come in. I know there's a lot, a lot of benefits that are, are happening. Like the fact that I'm, you know, we're here today talking about Candy Cane Lane. It's the number right. one worldwide on, on you know, Amazon Prime. There is a there is a thing in my contract about getting a bump because it's successful. 
So there is a there is a huge you know hopefully I'll 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 decide I'll decide how much of a bump or how if I really feel that that's comparable to network TV. But um, point being is that yeah I was able to get through this. Um, I met I met what I call now mid career where you know I'm 150 credits in and unfortunately you know hearing about the news of Andre Brower dying I mean, yeah. we're three years apart, Lance Reddick before that, I, you know, uh, Michael K. Williams. I mean, these are, these, these are some of the most amazing actors of our, of my generation, you know, and uh, they hurt the fact that they're not here. And, you know, the pulse, the, the, you know, the uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's of the world, you know, like there's just certain. So for me, uh, I've really happily, I've lost like 20 pounds. I've been focusing on my health more, um, because if I am mid career at this time, um, you know, I got a lot, as we say in the South, that is a lot more chicken on that bone. You know what I mean, I got a lot of, <laughs> I got a lot more stories and to tell and a lot more human beings to inhabit for a period of time. And, uh, I have to prepare my body and, and mind and creativity for that. Right. You know, I don't, I don't know what's ahead. I, I know that I got gemstones coming up May or June of next year. I, for the first time in four years i got a movie offer i haven't had a movie offer since you know pre-covid and uh half my auditions were half half my jobs were offers the other half were um auditions um so the fact that someone's really you know respectful and honors my credits enough to go you don't have to we know what you're going to do and you know i want you to show up here and we're going to pay you this amount of money and you know it's uh so yeah you know my manager was the first like this does this really make sense and i go well um I'm going to get paid, not a lot, what I normally get paid, but I'm going to start out the first month of the year putting money into my pension and health plan for not 2025, but 2026. So, um, yeah, and immediately when the strike hit, I, I I called up, you know, SAG after pension health. And I was like, do I have, what's going on with insurance for my entire, because my kid's up to 26. So I'm just worried about my insurance, you know, and I fact, I think we can, Maybe talk about the yeah, strike if you want. Yeah, I, I would but, definitely. I got some you know, questions about I, I that. I think one of the smartest things that we did was to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a falsehood and a mis a, a false narrative about the Hollywood industry and and all these millions and dollars and property and fame and attention. But there are guys like me. There are working working class journeymen jobbers, as they call us. They just go from job to job, and you don't may not know who they are, but Right. I'm a jobber, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a, I'm a worker bee. And, um, when 87% of us can't make $26,000 a year right. or 15 or think about it was that 2000 a month would be 24,000. So $2,500, we can't figure out a way to make $2,500 a month at the thing that we love and, and will, and die for, um, uh, and tell the stories of human beings if we can't make a living to 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 make meet our insurance at any major city, New York, L.A., Detroit, yeah, uh, twenty five hundred dollars a month is no. not a, that's below the poverty level. Oh, yeah. So if eighty seven percent of us can't make a living off of the streaming platform that has that has put billions of dollars into their pockets, and now we'll be putting more billions because subscribers are going to be choosing between a cheaper version of Amazon, uh, Netflix or Hulu, where no advertising, you know, uh, expensive with advertising and cheaper without, you know, uh, without or the other way around. Point being is that the profits are going to double and triple as time right. goes by. Right. So there was no better time for us to do that. But I do think 
when you send out the message that 87% of the people that you see on television can't make that that live below the poverty level and that you're subscribed that you're that you are subscribing to Hulu, Paramount Plus, Amazon, Netflix, you're spending more than you were when you cut the cable. Right. Where's that money going? Because if it's not going to these people who can't make $25,000 a year off of people that are billions of downloads, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or views, something's wrong. As, as yeah. you know, Snoop Dogg said, because Snoop was, he got on, he's like, look, I, I remember when I was doing music and I'm like, if I did this many albums, I got this thing, I did this many sales, it, it led to this. Now they're telling me I got all these streamings. I'm not seeing anything. Yeah. So he goes, something's up. Somebody's making money. Yeah. So I felt like the smartest thing that we did was to put the truthful message out there that it's not about the George Clooney's. It's not about the Julie Roberts. It's not about even the Meryl Streep's. It's not about the people that have been doing this long time. They're under a different structure, which they were able to still be in this business, Mm -hmm. myself included. You know, as I said, I've survived on network residuals from Blue Bloods, from Magnum PI, from you know, even the good fight, you know, which was really mostly stream CBS streaming as opposed to CBS. Right. So it's like, and gemstones having been on a series now for, you know, first time in my career, I'm on this, you know, I'm on going on to my fourth season playing the same character and I'm getting half a season of episodes. It's like, it's, it's That's a, so cool. you know, it, it, you know, it's a journeyman's thing. So for me, um, yeah, it's been, uh, I think the smartest thing we did is to, to appeal to, middle America. Cause I mean, here's the union auto workers. They're, they're happy about this contract, but the reality is they're being paid what they were paid 20 years ago. Yeah. 26,000. Way, 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 way to figure out how to, you know, so again, you know, I don't think the tech, I I'm not a fan of technology companies getting into the entertainment or creative business right? because it, their algorithms are really all about monies and views and eyes. And it's not about human beings. And so uh, we're at we're at an interesting time in the world where I do think that um, the disparity of wealth is just so yeah. outrageous that um, we are just one of the many people that are we're kind of you know in the middle of all that. Same thing with writers mm-hmm. too. You know, twenty six thousand without the story, there's nothing in Bloomington, Indiana. That's that's almost nothing, but the cost of living is so much higher out where Correct. you need to be in order to be successful. That that. And, you know, you, you're almost having to do two, three different things at the same time. So what I mean, lot- I live in New Orleans where my cost of living is half of New York or L.A. Right. It's three. It's a three hour flight to New York. It's a three hour flight to L.A. And it's a one hour flight to Atlanta where I can drive to Atlanta, you know. And the reality is I at this stage of my game of my life, the smartest thing I did was to bring down my cost of living way right. before COVID, way before the strikes in order for me, but the people who really, really suffered, and this is the thing that's most, why it's going to be very difficult to really look at our, our partners and our collaborators, uh, or really our, you know, the financiers of our, of our storytelling, the people who really suffered are, are the crews, mm-hmm. are the, the, the caterer, the guy that gets the, the gas for all the generators, the guy that washes the, the streets before the, the thing, key grips. the grocery, the, the grocery store person, the restaurants, the hotels, the bars, you know, sixty-eight billion in revenue was lost in the state of California this year. Yeah, and I'd say at least twenty billion of that is is, is definitely the entertainment industry. There's no two ways about it. So the fact is, if if they they chose not to pay the people what they deserved, they lost more money in revenue than they would have paid out 
So then what if it's not about money, then what is it about? It's about control. It's really if that's it's about power and control. Yeah. yeah. And and oppression. Mm-hmm. And I think we I think I believe that that the writers and the actors did a very good job. Again, not a smart thing to give storytellers the platform of, of social media and, and the internet. <laughs> yeah, they're going to Using they're movie kind of stars win. on the picket line. You know, we know how to tell a story. Yeah. So, you know, good good luck on telling your story about how your that subscription is down, you're hurting profits, you know, less people are watching. Right. No, they're not. No, they're not. So for those of us that are in a position, I mean, with with uh, union activity being so much lower than it used to be, a lot of people don't have a frame of reference of what it means to be a part of a union, what that union does for people. And when you combine that with an industry that's almost intentionally shrouded in a certain amount of mystery in, in our, the, the way our entertainment industry is put together, there's often no real no real basis to latch on for understanding and empathy from the average person is, is really hard to know. So what I was hoping that you could do for us is so for, for an average actor, you're, you're trying to be, uh, you're trying to make it in the industry. You're, you're, you're an up and comer and you've, you've gotten your SAG card and you're, you're trying to make things happen. How, how do you generally get paid? We hear about like daily, you know, daily cost and residuals, but a lot of times, you know, if, for the people that do have those unions, it's like, well, that comes straight out of the check. You know, it's like I'm part of a auto workers union. So that's that's built into my my fees are built into it there. And, you know, they take care of it. Is it kind of the same with the unions on your side? Yeah, it's similar in the sense. I, but I do want to address a few things earlier to what you say, which I think are really kind of important. There is a predominant negative narrative in our country that it's every man for himself yeah that's how that's how weak people gain power is pointing out how different we are from each other other americans when i've subscribed to the scientific fact that you and i have the exact same molecules in our bodies we have the same lungs same amount of heart so there's a there's a false narrative that's being put out there as there has been a false narrative that african americans are less than whites there's right. a false narrative that's out there that's been out there. And the false narrative now is that it's every it that we're in a in a, a post we're in a pre-Armageddon YOLO, you know, you only live once, every man for himself kind of scenario. And 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 that's just simply not a true thing. No. Because as we found with COVID, it affected everybody economically, no matter what the situation. And the fact that the polar ice caps are melting. So we we are so if you are a person that that believes that Americans val America's values are every man for himself and pull yourself up in the bootstraps and everybody got the same fair shake and ev- it's true all men and women were created equal we were all created equal but we're not treated equally in our country right and the fact that we turn on each other to to how different we are when we're exactly the same even this warring faction between is is, is Israel and 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 Palestine of all the people in the Middle East, these people have so much more in common than any other person in the Middle East. Yet, yet they've been indoctrinated. They've been told that that, that this land and this is ours, and and so we 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 fall into these particular traps. The way in which that this equates to to how I get paid is, um, and I've learned some a lot of things in this process. Of I've had I've had amazing opportunities of being in 
Deepwater Horizon, where I'm I'm on I'm number four on the call sheet of a hundred and fifty million dollar movie, and I'm a local Louisiana guy, right? So the fact that number one is Mark Wahlberg, number two is Kurt Russell, but number three is a guy named Doug Griffin, and number four is James Dumont, and number five is a guy named Joe Crest. So it's a rare thing that people from a local community would be, and then below us is. Number six is Gina Rodriguez, Golden Globe winner, you know, and number seven is Oscar winner, you know, John Malkovich. It's a beautiful thing when you can be in the same you're 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 in the top five of 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 a call sheet of a hundred fifty million dollar movie that made four or five times that, you know, 10 times that overseas over time. So the way in which that our structure works is a big thing to keep in mind for everybody, because I just finished teaching for the last three hours and I have another three hours later tonight. I teach an on-camera workout to actors. Uh, Everybody starts at a particular level. You start out no union. They work whatever hours, they pay you whatever, no, no pension, no health, no residuals. You just, you know, happy to be doing it. You get a copy of it. Maybe you put it on your demo reel. Maybe that helps you to get an audition that helps you to get paid. Right. So there are, there are places that are right to work states where it's not required that you become part of a union in order to work. In fact, you know, oftentimes my son, when he was younger, was not a part of the union, but he was still able to get all the union benefits of of residuals and not pension and health, of course, because he didn't pay dues. So point being is that, you know, but I wanted to point out that actors do job interviews. Each of these auditions are job interviews. And so just put yourself in a position of how 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 strong must you be? How good are you at job interviews when you have to conservatively do 30 to 50 to 100 of them in a given year. And in a good year, you get two of the 100. You get five of the 100. It's a lot of notes. I've had 10 and 15, you know. So it's a lot. And all that effort, taking time off work, the technology of it, internet, clothes, uh, editing, having a computer, all those expenses – you're paying for, or when it was going to live auditions, you're getting a gas, you're paying for childcare, you're going there, right. you're, you're creating, you're in, you know, you're creating traffic, you're polluting the environment. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you know, you're, you're taking up and the economics of that, like putting, you know, I used to have an audition for like CSI in LA and they used to all make all their decisions. All 15, 20 people were in a room. So all 20 cars would come from all over the city for this, two to three hour period of time. And then 30 to 50 actors would put more cars on the road and, and to make a decision in five to 10 to 15 to 20 minutes. That doesn't make, that doesn't make economic and environmental sense in no. this, in this environment. So, but know that those are costs that an actor investments that anybody makes like you would in an internship towards your career. So the, so that when you do get paid, that's why this residual structure that they've been trying to get rid of since we put it in place in 1960 or lessen it as best as possible, because it can be a counting nightmare. And there are times, oftentimes, that they uh, somebody makes a movie and agrees to a contract. Someone else buys it and they go, uh, yeah, we don't have to pay you. The and, You know, they do because they have a contract. So then I, I've done movies where I've never gotten paid and it's been playing all over the world. That doesn't mm. seem rare, fair or right to me no. when I'm the lead in the movie. So when these when you when you are paid and when you are compensated and when you are given residuals for that one day of work many, many, you know, years later, 
that's that's a that's a way in which to keep the middle class and keep a balance for the amount of investment that you do. So for me, I've made millions of dollars of investments. In fact, I had opportunities to work with my sisters who both you know been very, very successful. Um, I could have made you know, done those jobs at any point in time in my career. Just never, I never had a passion to do that. And I would have been in a much different financial situation than I am. So we all make particular choices about kind of what we do. But the way in which that we work is you start out non-union and you build yourself up and then you get paid. And you're hoping that that compensation for that one day uh, helps to balance the investment. So for me, you know, at a certain point in my career, even earlier, um, my wife pointed out very clearly, you're overinvested. So you're all in. So there's no quitting all those things that you invested in go away, right? Yeah. What do you benefit from stopping? You, you decide I can't make a living doing this. And so I'm going to do something else. And that's fine. It's all well within your choice. But if you've invested millions of dollars and now finally those are starting to, it's starting to come back my way. Um, and I'm getting better at auditioning because I, most of my auditions, the bigger ones have all been from self tape. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to master that skill because the economics of me staying in my own home, not having to get on a plane and not having to drive anywhere, not having to outlay all these things that I could shoot in the comforts of my own home and send it to you. And then you'll let me know when you want me to work. I'll find a way to show up there, you know, mm -hmm. or you'll find a way to pay me to get there. So point being is that, you know, I'm finally after, you know, I, I got my SAG card in 1980. So I'm well over 40 years into the business. Um, That's I'm back finally in the, starting uh, to use, uh, my, my ROI. I'm starting to get a return on my investment. And I do feel that. Um, but again, that it, it's not for everyone for the faint of heart to, mm. to, you know, that, that your degree and your, uh, reputation or your relationships may not logistically have any impact of a subjective decision. They decide, I, I don't want a bald guy. Like it just, it's, you know, it's, it's a subjective taste on the other side, like food, music, uh, art, you know All what right. I mean? It's subjective taste. So it doesn't, it doesn't fall into the same kind of categories of if I go to, if I go to, if I get an undergraduate degree and then I get a graduate degree and then I go to law school, I'm going to be paid no less than these things. Same thing for us. So once you have a union and you're making things, you're not going to ever make less than scale. Now, the thing that's 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 egregious and most difficult that has been going on since the 90s is they just want to keep paying you as if you just got a SAG card and you're 150 credits in. Yeah. So I, I want to I, I don't care about what you've done before, even though that's why I called you, but I still want to pay you as if you just got a voucher and you just joined this union. As a so the quotes and the things I mean I used to have quotes and now I'm I'm actually this is embarrassing but this candy cane lane I'm I'm back to what I got in '98 I'm getting paid wow. for this that I was a quote that I and I even surpassed that like I think by 2000 somewhere in there so the point is is again just like the union workers I was talking about like we should be excited about being paid the same amount of money as 20 years ago when right. the you know the people on the other side have just been making hand over fist. So it's just a great, it's a great deal, uh, or at least it feels very chaotic. The, yeah. the, the, it, it's not for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart because look at like 2000, I think it was 2005, 2006, you know, when, when the financial crisis hit and the, you know, 
there were people in their 40s that had been that had played by the rules that had gotten God degrees and right out of school they had jobs but then all of a sudden they're like wait a minute nobody wants to hire me at the price I've been getting no one so all of a sudden middle-aged people were faced with unemployment and having to keep them sense of themselves amongst the thing that had been handed to them because they made decisions you know that made that that made set they played it safe and they made decisions that they needed to do in order to provide for their family. We totally, I totally understand that. So, but I also kind of like, you know, your self, this is the big thing for actors. Your self-worth should never be contingent upon your employment. It can't be. Yeah, You'll be out of this business before, or you'll be drinking and drugs and rehab, and you'll have all kinds of problems. So how does it, or, or how did it, did it complicate things when the writers joined the strike Whereas you know you're, you're both fighting for this to to be yeah able they to be started paid. their strike first yeah or yeah that's right sorry I got it backwards um, but you know even though you're both fighting the same behemoth you're both looking for the same thing right. you're still coming from two slightly different perspectives does th did that complicate anything did it cause any any weirdness or was it just hey we're we're together we are solid and we're both going to get what we need. Yeah, because we're having we're facing the same issues. There's eleven thousand writers guild members. There's a hundred and sixty thousand card carrying SAG members. Now, half of those may not be active. Half of those people, some people just hold on to the card and they go to the SAG things and they vote or they don't vote, as we found out. You know, half of them don't vote. You know, it's like, but you know, one is a group of eleven thousand people that is that that. Some of those people do very, very well. Showrunners, you know, their 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 work. They, there is some some really good compensation for some people creating a character on a show, and that character. Say you created Phoebe on Friends. It's like you should be you should be paid forever. Yeah. If Phoebe gets paid, you should get paid. You wrote her. So our issues. We had some of the same issues, and and, and as you said, we're going up against the same Goliath, you know. And so the fact, and we're and we're not just talking about just. A small faction. We're talking about multi-trillion-dollar collective companies, who also, some of them, their business is not creative content. Their business are computers or phones, or their business are delivering products at at, a, at a, you know a, a reasonable price, or you know or gou you know union gouging price. <laughs> um, so some of the people that we were going up against were very formidable opponents. Right. Some of the most wealthiest. People in the wealthiest companies who to this day, people are ordering from them right now. And, and they and but they're also smart enough to know when it comes to creative that they put certain people in place that can green light a thing like a candy cane lane where there's a good, wholesome family value. And there's a tie in to all this. Right. Is that, you know, if you're keeping up with the Joneses as one of the you know storylines in here. You're going to have to go someplace to buy those lights. You're going to have to, right. right? So, and then the the thing that I really loved about what Amazon did with Candy Cane Lane is you're also going to change the model here, which is you're a prime subscriber. You, you Because you, you're prime, mm -hmm. you can then go to the movie theater on a prime day and you show your prime membership and you go to the movie theater. So you don't sit at home and watch it in streaming. You bring your family, you buy popcorn and you buy at a 300% markup and the 500% markup of the sodas, right? Oh, and the it's, candy it's, it's worth it. And, and, the, and the movie theaters are like, wait a minute, 
So Amazon's guaranteeing people in the seats, we sell things, and then people get to have an experience in the movie theater. Right. And then they can go home and watch it again while, you know what I mean? So I go, this is, this is, this may be, the, I've been seeing people, Netflix did the same thing. They did a theatrical release of The Irishman in a Broadway theater before they dropped it on Netflix. And it was great going to a Broadway theater and watching a movie. It was like, that had never happened before. I'd never experienced that before. So yeah. I feel like as much as, you know, these are strange bedfellows. We have to still work together with each other. But, right. but you know, as I said before, I think the people who really, really suffered were the, the, the you know, the, the crews and the, and the, and the, and the cities and the towns that are directly impacted by a film or television show in their area. Right. We, we shoot the righteous gemstones in Charleston. And it's like, you know, they're just figuring out how much of their economy is, you know, the, the, the spend is times four in Louisiana, for example, we only give out 180 million half of the year. So July, June one to July 30th of next year. So 180 million in this year, this year, and then hundred. So it's 360 collectively. But the spend in the state was over $980 million, not two years ago. So even though we may be dangling, it's not, we're not giving them anything. We're dangling bait to go, come, come here, make right. your TV show. But the spend is times four. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And so once you figure out that, you know, New Mexico, Georgia, uh, you know, now North Carolina's got their tax credits back. Uh, right. Ohio has a very good tax credit. Massachusetts in New York and LA, they've already known about this. But the point is, is that it, you're you're trying to lure the company there in order to spend money and, and, it, and, it, and it feeds the local economy. Yeah. So when you cut off $10 billion of content, the ripple effect is times four. It's a $40 billion hit to, to the communities and the companies and the, and the banks and the hotels and the restaurants and the bars and the you know, the tourism and all the thing, everybody loses Yeah. to gain what? So for me, I feel like um, it's a long securitist route to kind of, to, to kind of your question, but I go, but on the other side of that is these companies are smart enough to identify that if they are going to be in the content creation business, the apples I've done, you know, I did, I did, you know, the banker for Apple, which is their mm -hmm. first big feature. I did uh, blackbird for Apple, you know, even, so if you are going to be in that, business if you are going to create content um pick the right people pick the right content you know enough to the thing i like about candy cane lane is is it's really for everybody like there's jokes for the kids there's jokes for teens and there's jokes for adults and it's got eddie murphy it's, it's hard family, to go wrong with that christmas comedy like at a time where we just want to laugh and we just want to feel like family is important that together as a family, we can do so much more than individually. So swinging back to one of the things I said is, if you are the person that subscribes to the we're all in this together, this time on the planet becomes really, really important and joyful and, and fun and creative that we're only, that we're all in this together. We should all do it together. Yeah. We treat any, treat everybody as if that we're all family, um, which we don't, but why not? Why don't we? So I feel like what's great about Candy Cane Lane, for me at least, is that at a certain point, Eddie Murphy decides, uh-uh, nobody's going anywhere. We're not going off and do these things. We're all doing stuff together. So collectively, we can go up against the bad guy, you know, uh, which is Jillian Bell, who's just fantastic.
So again, I think some of these values or ideals need to be, this is the kind of stories that need to be told right now. This is coming at it after the premiere. Everybody's like, Oh my God, we really need this move. We need this movie right now. <laughs> you know, And the fact that they're smart enough to like, you know, knock it out on December one. There's there's thirty word. There's other other holiday Christmas movies coming out. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> we were the first ones out of the gate. Like good luck. You yeah, know? yeah. It, the, what you say resonates a lot. I, I I had the the good fortune to speak to Ed Asner about a year before he died, and he was SAG president for for a while. And a lot of what he said kind of it's it's the same thing over and over again. So it yeah. just it's just it's a never it's never ending struggle that has to be waged, but that's right. It, it doesn't compare to the never ending struggle to have your house look better than everybody else's in the neighborhood. Uh. Yeah, that's a very. I mean, look, some, there was a very wealthy billionaire online. He was saying, you know, we we don't suffer from greed; we suffer from envy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it's. You know, you know, trying to because it's like it's a very natural kind of thing, and that also leads to consumerism. That leads to a lot of things. You know, people say what you know. They were asking me on the red carpet, and it was really great when I got. And the fact that I, I negotiated, you know, to to have you know two tickets to the premiere, and I said I'll fly myself. I didn't think an Amazon movie was going to have a theatrical, but I had a feeling it might. And then when the writers guild strike, I was like, I don't know. And the actors are struggling. I was like, I don't know. And then the minute the strike was over, I like texted Reggie, and I was like, Reggie. We doing a premiere. He goes, stay tuned. Looks good. And I was like, okay. And then like I'm up, you know, up in New Hampshire with Thanksgiving with my, you know, daughter and my son in Vermont. I was like, I was like, yeah, the premiere's on. I I literally it was an 18 hours of travel from New Hampshire to LA to make it for, to the premiere. Um, but it was really great and and to be at a premiere and everybody had seen the movie. They know who I was. The, I didn't have uh, the the challenge for me as being a that guy kind of a character dude is. You know, sometimes I have to explain everybody that I'm in the movie, <laughs> you yeah. know what, I mean? what I do. Everybody knew everybody wanted to talk and they had good questions about what's the best things about Christmas. What are some of the worst things about Christmas? What do you like about this movie? Why do you think this movie is important? You know, so that it was really it's all the things that we've been kind of talking about. And I, too, have had the honor of, you know, I think I had three hours with Ed. Oh. I think I had a three hour interview with Ed Asner going nice. through everything and for me, he is a benchmark. Ed is for, that's the that's my that's my mentor. I want to work the way he works. I want to work as long as he works. Um, he we amazing. philosophically we're on the same page on so many ideals. This whole concept that we that we're all in this together. I mean that that's true. To, that's true democracy. Everything else is a monarchy. Right. Um, so I really feel like this is a uh, yeah, this is a good movie at the right time. So. This movie specifically, I mean, this isn't the first time you've worked with uh, uh, Reginald. Uh, no. Actually, the last time we spoke, you were just coming uh, off promoting a little bit of uh, the safety. Yeah. Uh, so this is tonally very different from that film. It sure is. So did that did that cause a, a shift in his directorial style, or did he kind of approach things in the same way? Well, here's what's interesting. It, that's a, that is different tonal because it's a sports movie, but at the heart of it, it's about family. It's about an older brother moving from being the older brother to being the father and dealing with the, the, the you know, the difficulty of that and trying to, to juggle many things. Same similar. There's some similarities in terms of, you know, Candy Cane Lane too, of like Eddie's responsibility to the family, 
his obligations, family, and and his you know and his passions, the thing that he's passionate about. So there are some. I think there's a lot of similarities between the two movies. They are tonally very different. Um, you know, Reggie's an amazing filmmaker and uh, and an artist and creative and just a, an incredible human being. You know, and we 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 we're, I, we will be working together, as he said. We're always going to be working together um, because I also. Uh, understand my responsibility, the storytelling and the economics of when I get on set. I think the way in which that we really built, and also we're, we have this kind of six degrees of Peter Berg because he directed the great white hype with Peter Berg and Samuel L. Jackson, who I work with on, on, uh, on SWAT and I work with on the banker. So I'm connected to Sam that way. But then, uh, you know, Peter and I have a, like a shorthand in terms of working. There's almost like a brotherhood sometimes, like a marriage. He'll start wanting to give me a note or an idea. Halfway into what he's saying, I thought I, I finish his sentences. So there's that thing. And Reggie and I are, are the same thing. Like very off, seldom are we given notes or direction. Or I'll kind of I'll pitch to some, hey, I'm thinking about it. He goes, yeah, I was thinking that too. Why don't you just do that? That's a great idea. <laughs> so the idea is that we're already kind of working on a wavelength. But when I first... The way in which I really built my relationship with Reggie is when for safety, it's a big scene of like 200, you know, 200, you know, athletes. And I'm I'm talking about compliance and, you you know, you can't do these things. And he goes, let's just let's just rehearse it for camera and figure out. And then we did it. And he's like, damn it, we should have shot that. That was so good. I was like, no, that's all right. I got I got I can do it again. And so it may have taken a long time to figure that out. But I, I did all my work so quickly. They were like, man, this we 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 put a whole we put aside a half day for this, we're done. And the same thing happened when I came in for, for Candy Cane Lane is I'm coming at the second to last day of shooting for nine months. And uh, my first day, you know, it was heartbreaking for me. My first day was Eddie Murphy's last day. Oh. <laughs> like, I'm like, I just got here, you know, <laughs> but they're wrapping him and he's going. So everybody's really ready to go home. And I'm like, wait, 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 I just got here. So there was a lot of complication of setting up the conveyor belts. We're in a real bottling plant. Oh. In you know, in the valley where where Laverne and Shirley was shot, you know, the, the real <laughs> Budweiser, it's an active working Budweiser bottling plant. We're in another area. So between the conveyor belts and the boxes and where the CGI needs to be, and it took them like three hours to set it all up. And then I come mm. in and I do my work in 20 minutes. And Eddie's, oh. and, and, you know, and, and Reggie's like, you're an assassin, man. This is like, <laughs> you're a closer in baseball. You're coming in here and you're like, bing, 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 you know? And then well, let's try this, let's do this, let's improv this. And Tracy Ellis Ross and I just like totally hit it off. She's coming off a blacklist where she's quick and sharp. I'm coming oh, off of gemstones where, you know, I got to be ready for whatever somebody's going to say to me. So, you know, uh, it was just, it, it was a, you know, perfect storm. It worked, you know, and and the chemistry between Eddie and, and Tracy in that movie was just fantastic. I mean, I want to see that all day. They're talking about a sequel and I go, yes, you know, this is, you know, we, we need to see more of this, this chemistry in this family. Well, that cast, um, the cast know, is ridiculous. Great. I mean, oh yeah. Victoria, Vicky Thomas and Reggie Hudlund, Vicky <sighs> Thomas casts all of the, uh, uh, you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino's films. She cast me in, in, in safety. She cast me in this. I mean, there's not a role in there that doesn't like, doesn't just sing. You got Nick Offerman, you know, there's people that I never heard of before that like the one newscaster woman was amazing. Like the guy that you know, like everybody like that was just a, the kids. I mean, TJ was part of safety with us, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I mean, every role just you had ringers in there. You know yeah. what I mean? You just had ringers. I see David Allen Greer pop up. David like, Allen Greer is Santa Claus. I'm like, anything. I was like, please, when are we doing, you know, 
It's Candy Cane Lane 2, Electric Boogaloo, Santa's Revenge. You know, like, you know, like, like just give me, give me more David Allen Greer. You know what I mean? Like, more cowbell. So <laughs> you you did, you were there. You were maybe you know, like you said, you you managed to knock things out really fast. Did you get a chance? It's it, my favorite thing in in hearing the 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 stories and the and the recounting of the the creation of whatever show or movie it is are those those moments on set that that stick with you. Whether it's seeing something about the way that it's put together or a specific interaction with another castmate or something like that. Did you have anything like that that just kind of happened that resonated with you on this production? I think for me, because, you know, Tracy had been on the movie for like nine months. You know, I think she was, you know, like kind of done and <laughs> needed to go home. You know, like not, and not in, she was extremely professional, but the point is, you know, I'm 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 coming in and bringing energy towards just the end of the of the run, you know, and and as you can see, I have a tons of energy and I bring a lot to the table when I kind of show up. So, you know, oftentimes when I go into rooms or situations, I kind of need to dim my light and I need to read the room first to see if they can handle, you know, me. <laughs> and so every single situation of coming in on set is totally a different scenario. Some people are much more open. I did this movie with another uh, 80s television star uh, uh, and there was there was there was nothing there was no chemistry there was nothing it was just it was uh made no sense at all it's just very egotistical and uh why this person has the career that they have but my point is is that that was not the situation with Tracy Tracy didn't know who I was but saw the energy what I was bringing and also understood that you know my character of Donald is talked about throughout the film. And so this is now the time to establish this name is a person and what that person means. And by the end of the movie, you know, no spoiler alerts, we, there, there's something that she needs from me by the end of this movie that, 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 you know, is important. So I think she's smart enough to recognize that even though, you know, everybody's tired and we're kind of finishing out and it's going longer than it should, you know, um, and that doesn't mean anything other than you make a movie in nine months. Like we shot it in March and it's being delivered in December. I mean, there's nothing short of a miracle that this entire team that Amazon and, and, and Reggie and the mix, the musics and the mixers and the ADR and the, you know, industrial light and magic. I mean, Herculean, Herculean effort to do it all in one year. That's, that's crazy. No, no they're, 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 they're shooting Christmas movies now in January, in December for next year. That's, that's not what we were doing. We were shooting in middle March to deliver December 1. And even that we delivered before because it was in theaters in, in November. So, I mean, really huge effort that was there. For me, my experience, really the fun one was working with Tracy and just how quickly that she started to recognize, oh my God, I got an actor that I can play with. So even though I'm coming at the end of this thing, we need to establish it. But I, she came to play. You know what I mean? She's like, oh, great. Here's a you know breath of fresh air, some energy in here. Um, yeah. And that was for me, that was really the great thing is to like to not know somebody and then just feel like we've been working together all along, you know, and then just bouncing all kinds of stuff. I also had this group of really good featured extra actors around me that I played off of and worked in. And I really owned in command. You know, I really kind of I made, you know, oftentimes, you know, I, I do this a lot with gemstones is I bring the background into the story and, and interact with them and be part of them. Um, and they just can't believe it, you know, and I'm like, well, 
we're all in, everybody's a paint a picture you know we're all in a frame and everybody's got a color and in order for this Surat painting of all these dots to work we gotta we, we gotta we're all doing this together we're all in this together so it's a collaborative thing so for me that was those interactions with with tracy i think were you know super fun and also just reggie and i like we just we just get each other you know what i mean like you know, if he wasn't so busy and I wasn't so busy, it's like we would just hang out. Like, I just love that dude. Now, the, did they allow the writer? Uh, it says that uh, Kelly Younger was the creator. Was yeah, he, who I've known as I've known Kelly's work before. He was on set with us as well. Did he and try I knew to, Kelly's play? Did he try to explain things with Muppets at all? No, but he's a he's no, but he's great. He was talking to me and then he had this puppet and then he would say, well, let me, let me talk to my boss. About it. <laughs> that would be, that would be pretty funny. I was, I was hoping, uh, you know, I was working with Kelly and he's like, what do you think Kelly? And I was like, oh, uh, okay, no, no, he actually, I knew about Kelly's work cause I run a theater company in Los Angeles. That's a, a, a branch of a 50 year old New York company called ensemble studio theater. And Kelly's work came through there. And I just remember it finally. I think I read some of his plays so when the name came out, I was like, yeah, I think I, we did your work. I was like, oh, my God. So it was like a full circle for between he and I. And and now we, you know, reach out and become close and, you know, helping to kind of, you know, he's like, man, you when you get behind a movie, you get behind a movie. I go, it's my only job this year. <laughs> like, this is the only horn I can toot here. This is it. This is my one and only job the entire. I haven't had this in decades of just doing one job. Well, so you want to have a horn. Yeah, this I'm, is the I'm, horn. Make, I'm making hay of this wonderful. Uh, and, and the good thing is I, I got, you know. I'm not the only one that thinks this is uh, something to be making hay about, you know? Yeah. Everything I've seen of it so far has been excellent. My, uh, uh, a couple of my close associates uh, uh, have been pushing me to just like, yes, I know I've, I've got this list, yeah. you know, the list that you always yeah. have that you never yeah, get exactly. to Exactly, I got your view list. It's but, two hours, so it's yeah. a make them, but there's good twists and turns in here. I think you'll see Kelly came up with a, you know, what, you know, it's a true, it's about a true area in El Segundo. They do, it, it is one-upmanship. It is how, you know, it is, you know, who can, who can come up with, but even in there, there's hilarious stuff of like, you know, there's the overly relig religious, you know, Christian folks that are for Christmas. And then there's the Jews that are doing, you know, Hanukkah, but everybody gets their, everybody gets their due. It's not like, you know, this is better or worse. It's like, everybody has their moment to shine. Um, yeah, there's lots of good twists and turns in here. And, you know, oh. just, I, I got a feeling that like, we might, we might make like a top 20 or a top 10 list of like a cult Christmas movie. I think we might, we might pull that off. Well, that actually, cause there's enough, there's enough here to do it. That was actually going to be one of my questions for you since you're going to be in this, the film that I already know I'm going to love when I watch it. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm generally personally not like a Christmas movie or a holiday movie sort of a guy. So my list of holiday films. Yeah, if you're if you're small. a Hallmark Christmas movie person, this is not a this is not for you. But for if you, if you are comedy, uh, uh, you like uh, Home Alone. You like uh, It's a Wonderful Life. You like uh, White Christmas. You like um, uh, most Eddie Murphy comedies. You know. You're kind of, you're, you're kind of in good shape. You like yeah. action comedies. You're kind of in good shape. You know, you kind of. Well, for a, uh, for a James Dumont, what are your top three Christmas or holiday films of all time? Uh, one right out of the gate, it would have to be, um, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful life. There's just no two ways of like hands down. That is one of my favorite, you know, movies for for many reasons 
And I think the big one for me, and I talked about this when I was on the carpet is, you know, because I believe that we are all in this together, I don't think we understand how incredibly impactful we can be on someone's life. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have to be, you know, the lesson of that is also like a, you know, the other one would be like a Christmas carol, you know, or like, I kind of liked Scrooge. I thought that was kind of fun, you know, kind of funny, you know? Um, but yeah, so it, it's a wonderful life. I, I just, the home alone thing was just, it's just, it was too much fun. All the things last for the, it just, it's still, still good. And then number three, I kind of do like, I said White Christmas because I kind of do like that. It's an older movie, but I really kind of, you know, it's got good stuff in there. It's got some dancing. I mean, you can't go wrong. Yeah, it's got some dancing. dancing in there. I mean, it's, so those are my, those are my three, but I, I gravitate always to It's a Wonderful Life because I feel like, and I've had wonderful experiences in my life where I know that I've impacted people's lives. I mean, my assistant, you know, was from New Bedford, Bass, and, you know, he's had four friends, you know, die of either, you know, drug overdose or suicide in the last year. And he's like, man, if you didn't encourage me to come down to Louisiana and be an actor and do the, follow my dream, I'd probably be dead. You know, I probably would be where my friends are. And I think that's the spirit of, that's the spirit of, 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 you know, it's a wonderful life is we don't realize how much our, our time here can positively impact people to the point where they might not be here. If it wasn't for that. Yeah. You know, if you've not been there, you wouldn't have done the thing and George wouldn't have done that. You know, you wouldn't, they wouldn't be here. You know, and you're like, wow, I guess I didn't realize. So if you do start to realize that you have that kind of impact on people and that you looked, look at every single person as infinite, you know, wonderful possibility, no matter how human we do and the mistakes that we make, if you look at everybody that way, I think it's less likely that you'll, you know, treat people in a more equal way. And I just feel like, so for me, I always gravitate back to that lesson, you know, and also that lovely journey of, you know, that reminds me of up a little bit, that journey that oh, yeah. George has where he falls in love with her and it's, you know, and, you know, and, and had that not happened, he wouldn't have found that the love of his life, you know, and lived the kind of life that he wanted. So yeah. for me, I, those are, those are kind of things that I, I, I say gravel. And then just, I like action, I like action comedies and fun, well thought out things. And there's just a lot of those good elements in there in, in, in Candy Cane Lane that's reminiscent of the crazy stuff you'd saw in Home Alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? How, no how outrageous can it be? Pretty outrageous, you know? Yeah, no doubt about it. I, uh, I know one of my favorite holiday classics for a long time was, uh, well, I mean, not traditionally what you call a Christmas film, but it it involved Eddie Murphy, and that was Trading Places. And oh yeah, he was just so phenomenal. Now, I mean, elements of the film maybe didn't age so well, but at its core, right. such a great film. Absolutely, and it, it and we do have that. There's these moments in the film where I had to I had a I was reminded because of his work that he's an actor. Like he's an actor comedian. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes as a comedian who's an actor, it's a different scenario. It's like, no, th there's just th there's a huge body of work that is that is that has proven that this guy is is formidable. Mm -hmm. And there are moments in this thing where you're like, oh wow, fucking Eddie Murphy's breaking my heart over here. What's he doing? And you're like, oh, that's right. Eddie's not just trying to be funny. Like Eddie can Eddie can break your heart a little bit. Same thing with those scenes in Training Places. Same thing too. It's like that you know fish out of the water, the innocence being taken advantage of trying to, you know, 
figuring out who you are and like where, you know, like, you know, it, it's uh so yeah, I think, you know, like, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a treasured man. Yeah. He's, you know, and, and I got a little chance to just talk to him just briefly on the carpet, you know, cause I didn't get to sit, you know, on set. And I used to be a DJ in, uh, in limelight in New York and Charlie Murphy, his brother would always come. So, you know, Charlie Murphy has the Charlie Murphy stories. Well, yeah. I have stories about Charlie Murphy. <laughs> and the minute I said that, he's like, Oh man, I just made him smile. You know, he knew, he knew we just, so it was really nice to do that. And uh, I didn't get a chance to see Nick Offerman and he and I are friends from Chicago. We lived in the same building in LA. I just, uh, my sister was there. And so I was really excited about being back on the carpet and, you know, it, it had been so long. The last time I was, I was in the same movie theater uh, where we did Spencer Confidential just before the world went indoors. And my sister was also at that great moment in my career uh, where you know, I got walk out of the theater and I'm wearing my red tracksuit. And it's like, I got 400 people around me, you know, wanting to get selfies. And my, <laughs> I look over at my manager of 27 years. He's like, lean into it. You're a 30 year overnight sensation. You know, what I mean? like, you know, this is, you know, your moment, your moment, you know. And what's interesting is being a journeyman actor. I was saying this in another interview. It's it. Um, it becomes a little intoxicate, intoxifying to. uh you know, be invited to Vanity Fair and not be someone else's plus one. Be, you know, flown for your red carpet as opposed to flying yourself. You know, being, uh, going, you know, being being acknowledged and recognized, not in an egotistical sense, but really again, an acknowledgement of, of kind of where you're at, you know. Yeah, where your contribution is and, and uh, that you are a value added, that you are an asset to this collaboration and storytelling not just a uh, utility, you know, as the industry likes to kind of churn and burn people, you know, you're just another, you're just another character guy. And, yeah. and so um, when you have those kind of moments, um, they help, they help you to get through the most difficult times of, you know, perpetual unemployment and putting your heart and soul into a self tape and not getting any response at all, like nothing crickets, you know, getting ghosted. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, yeah. And so I feel for me, it's it uh, those kind of moments um, push you to go further, um, keep you in the business, um, which is why I went through, you know, 18 hours of travel just to get there because I was like, I had, you know, I, you know, there's an interesting thing of trying to get back what you had. I mean, I'm sure yeah. millions of people can talk about, man, I was, this was happening. And then COVID hit. Like, I didn't want to be then COVID hit guy. Right. But if I look at where my career was moving up until that point, flown to L.A. for the premiere, put on the red carpet, you know, my my, my bi-coastal agents were all there flown then to memphis by apple put in a hotel in a car for the you know the premiere of the bank you know what i mean like i'm i'm it's all next level stuff of invited to fan you know invited to vanity fair meeting every meeting talking to brad pitt after he wins his oscar about new orleans seeing my friend laura laura dern with an oscar you know like it just like you kind of go you know those are the things that 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 some people go into this business for but man, it's um, it's not that. But that is a byproduct of, you know, hundreds of self, thousands of self tapes, you know, billions of hour, hours on a plane, car rentals, flying yourself, working local, sleeping on couches when you're a grown ass man. You know what I mean? There's just certain <laughs> things. There's certain struggles and investments that you do so that when you have those kind of moments, you're like, OK, 
you know, that it makes it it makes it uh, tolerable. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's worthwhile. It's, you know, it's still, it's got to feel pretty trippy when those things do happen. It's a it does out of body experience almost. Yeah, I have this phrase of like um, two things define you: your your patience when you think or you perceive that you have nothing, and your attitude when you have everything. Yeah. And so for me, there's times where I think and perceive that I'm that I'm invisible, that no one's listening or paying attention. Um, and then there are times when things are going extremely well. And I must tell you, I it's not about arrogance or ego. It's really about appreciation and gratitude. Like, I'm just glad that I get to do this. Right. And when you see people passing, you know, way too young, there's so many more stories to be told. You go, oh, I have even more you know, appreciation for, you know, what kind of stories do I want to tell, you know, while I'm here before I'm feed up, <laughs> you know, yeah, no we say in the world before I'm feed up, like I want to enjoy. And I live in a place that enjoys that, that is culturally about enjoying life. You know, yeah. it's like people, you know, eat to live. We live to eat. That's right. I'm just a good thing and a bad thing. Now I got to watch what I eat. But, but the point is in we, there are people celebrate life. There's, there's a Tuesday, there's a group of people in New Orleans they get on a bike and they go bar to bar and they're biking and they're like, happy Tuesday. It's like, it, there's, there's no <laughs> rhyme or reason for that other than we're just spread gonna, joy, you know? Yeah. We're going to get on bikes, listen to music, be with each other, hit a bar and, you know, enjoy Tuesday. One of the seven days of the week, Yeah, you know? So I feel like, I think, you know, there's a Buddhist, I'm a Buddhist of 35 years. They say, suffer what there is to suffer. <laughs> And enjoy what there is to enjoy and never give up. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's the deal, you know? Of course. Now, now we're talking about a little down South. I want some beignets, but that's not going to happen for a while. Oh yeah. I, I kind of have to, <laughs> I have to stay away from the, I'm not, a, I, I'm, I'm lucky for me. I've not been a fried guy, but there are some really good fried chicken down there. There's some, oh. the beignet is just a, it's a, it is a fried donut. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, it is fried in oil. So good. So good. All right. So my my co-host, who is normally with me here and unfortunately had to miss this, uh, and he's still kicking himself that he had to miss it because he very That's much right. wanted to talk he's to you. He's sitting down. He's eating pudding. He'll enjoy it later. He's such a fan of the Righteous Gemstones. He wanted to make sure that I asked you how you landed your role of Chad in that show in the first yeah. place. It's great. Uh, I, I I cannot, I want to say right out of the gate, and you can tell him as well, and he'll see this, is that everything you think about Danny McBride is better than anything you could ever imagine. <laughs> his generosity, his sense of humor, his uh, uh, truthfulness, grounded, real, human. Like, th there's, there's just, I mean, I told my son, I was like, man, working on this set as your first big, big gig, I was like, you're, you're just gonna, you're spoiled. You're spoiled rotten. So that's the first thing I was gonna say. So I auditioned, I did a self tape for that. So again, this is why I teach people to do self tapes is that, you know, I booked well over a million dollars worth of work. I'm still on, you know, three seasons of a show from one self tape, you know, now. So I did a self tape of that. And it's, it's a funny story because I was originally auditioning for Scotty, who is the bad guy in, in season one, in the pilot. And I wanted that role so bad. And I thought that's the role I played. So I did my Scotty audition. It was good. And they go, would he read for Chad, the fat bald guy? And I'm like, 
Like, I don't want to be that. Like, I don't want to. Yeah, well, there's this great role. Like, this is the role I should play, right? And I go, okay, I'll do it. But I'll do it if I can do it like this. And I just decided that this guy would be just deathly serious. And the humor about him is that he would, you, that I, he's just deathly serious about the most outrageous things. And that is 100% in the tone and the style of what I saw in Vice Principals, what I saw in Eastbound and Down. I was trying to get on Eastbound and Down. I was trying to get on to Vice Principal. My friend Brian Howe grabbed one of those roles. And I was like, I'm not letting this one go. So I was like, look, if if the Scotty audition got me this, let ships fall where they may. So I auditioned and um, and I got cast like like right away. They were like, yes, we love you. You know, you're going to be part of Danny's little goon squad, a couple of guys. And they thought it was just going to be a little side thing in the pilot. They're just buddies and, you know, they'll come and go sort of. But each one of us is very distinct, you know, like, like you know, Troy and Jay and 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 Jody Hill, who directs episodes, also is co-producer, executive producer. I mean, you know, creator of the show. It's like all four of us are. It's the mod squad. It's the fucking. It's the four stooges. You know what I mean? And they're all and they all have something to contribute. And each one of us is has great individual and and even more so collective value. Once they figured out who we were, they were like, oh shit, we're writing for these guys. Like they're like Danny's got Danny's got a posse. Danny's got a he's got a crew, you know? And so, but I did my audition, I got cast. And then my our agent here in the South said there was a role for Pontius, my son. Would he audition for Pontius? And he at that point in time, you've been going to Catholic school. And I said, Okay, let's do the audition for Pontius. You're you're just a little badass. You have it's the whole scene with Danny where you're calling him a faggot and you're like, you know, you're just, you know, like you're you're just a little, you're just a little asshole, you know. I said, but there's this one scene where they're penalizing you and you're sitting at the, you know, you're and I don't think it ended up in the pilot, but you're sitting away, everybody's sitting at dinner and you're sitting away, you're being punished, you know, because of what you said or did. And I go, I'd love for you to put a button on there. That's like, you know, he who throws, you know, stones at glass houses, you know, give me a Bible quote that like go, you know, you're just as corrupt as I am. You know, don't 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 blame me, you know, for your misfalling, you know, the sins of the father are perpetual. So I said, find a Bible quote that kind of puts that button. And he did. And they were like, we like this kid. Uh, and then they called up and they go, wait a minute. Is Kelton Dumont related to James Dumont? And they're like, yeah, it's his son. And they're like, OK. We want to fly them to New York. We want to fly them to Charleston and meet Danny because Danny loved what he did. He just wants to see if he can do improv and see if there's some chemistry there. And so they flew us to Charleston. We go. I'm I'm hanging out in the back. He goes to do his audition, his callback, rather. They're laughing up a storm. They're having a great time. They're like, you want to meet Danny? I was like, yeah. Then they come in and I walk in and I go, did he fuck it up? Because this kid's not going to eat for three days. If he did he blow it, did you did you fucking blow it? Oh. Hey, hi, nice to meet you. Hi, how are you? And I was like, I'm just kidding, dude. I'm like, dude, we love him. We love you. You know, it's going to be great. And then, like, I think second season we were in the trailer, and Dan, and we were with Danny, and my son and I are there, and Danny's like, man, I got two Dumonts on my show, man. And I was like, what? I was like, we're on like, and, and we, you know, we're six months of the year. We're in Charleston where we shoot almost every year. We were spending father's day together. 
on set in a TV show together. We've been in same scenes, but not in, we've been in the same room and scenes, but never with each other. They keep talking about how, you know, Chad and Pontius are finally going to go at her or something. So they keep promising that. And then they said, my son, if you watch gemstones, I mean, my son had an incredible arc this season and we did too. We became the enforcers that they've been wanting to, you know, we became ass kickers for Christ. You know, oh, yeah. we'll kill for Christ. Um, and so it's just been an incredible experience for somebody who's been like me, who's been kicking around for so long that I get to be on the same show, same character. They write up, they write, you know, stuff for us. Uh, we bring our own kind of improvisational things to it. Um, it's just been incredible. You know, my, my kids got college money and, you know, it gives them independence, you know, uh, he's so down to earth and just a regular kid. Cause we just, you know, we're just regular people and, you know, we just kind of keep it very simple. But yeah, that experience is, um, you know, I liken it to, uh, you know, coming home to Thanksgiving and a healthy family. That's awesome. But you never know what the fuck is going to go down. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. You have to be ready for anything. Right. It's 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 incredible experience. But you ne like though that cast is just ringers. Mm. You got John Goodman. You got Adam Devine. You have Cassidy Freeman. You have Edie Patterson. You got Tony Calvera. You, I mean, it, it, Tim, like it, Greg Allen, William, like you got, it's the, it's the who's who of some of the funniest goddamn. And then the guests come in, the Eric Roberts and the Eric's, Eric, uh, Andres and the, you know, this season we had, uh, you know, like, you know, Steve Zahn. I mean, like, you know, it, it just like, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's like coming home for, for Christmas or Thanksgiving and you just have to be ready for anything. Oh, and, man. and, you know, it's the best job ever. The fact that you're most of my job is is trying to keep a straight face <laughs> when some of the most funniest, craziest things are happening in front of you or you're being whispered or told something that you need to do and you look out and the crew is all covering each other's mouth. And then when, when cut happens, everybody's cracking up. And I'm like, are you getting paid for this shit? <laughs> this is great. Oh, man, that does... That's the that's the kind of environment that just that makes me feel warm, you know, is that that, yeah. that that joy and it comes through in the performance. We get to see that on this side yeah, of the screen. Absolutely. Well, and I, each season just gets crazier and crazier. So the lucky thing is the writers submitted their scripts before the writers guild strike. We had got a verbal that we already been given a green light, but we hadn't it wasn't official. And then just before the writers guild strike HBO announced that we got a fourth season. So, you know, I think Danny, so cool. Danny's talked about wanting to go long, you know, 10 seasons is not crazy. There's plenty. So we're, we're, plenty we're just, we're just scratching the surface because, you know, if you look at the, how he's done it, it's kind of, I mean, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. But like, you know, if you look at Eastbound and down, everything lives, lives and dies by one character, Kenny powers, everything. That's it. Then you got, vice principals and you kind of split it between Walton and, and Danny and then a couple other people. So it's like, it doesn't become just about him. It's this duality. Now you do gemstones. That's like, you could do in a whole episode about any character you then can go, but now they're going back in time. There's flashbacks to the younger version. There's even, you know, not spoiling it for people. There's people that come back from the dead. You know, there's spirit people like you go, like <laughs> once you kind of, I say, it's like, it, it's like the family tree ancestry. Like once you lay the family tree out and you, 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 you then can cut and as you go along and, and they're trying as best they can that each episode 
is its own little story and movie. Like you don't have to, you know, uh, know all the backstory in order to do it, but there's enough, there's enough here in this episode that makes you want to watch other episodes. And you're right there. And the fans are just, they're rabid, crazy. Lo I love them. Like I just, the fans are just, they get it. They get us. Um, yeah. So we did what we did the premiere of season three in Austin for the ATX festival and it they they sold out Friday the the the, uh, um, the Austin city limits space. It's the largest space in Austin, and they're like that was a dream of the ATX festival. It's like gemstones made this happen. There there was there was no seat available. There, there were people lining up to try to get in, standing room only. It was crazy. So yeah, so the fact is that we're, you know, we're, like, you know, we're telling a really good story. There's it, it, hypocrisy. It's not going away anytime <laughs> right. soon. You know. The have has, you know, the have the haves and the have nots, and yep. and and then again, again, a good a good recurring theme that always works in the show: family. Yeah. The end of the day, it's about family, faith, and and mayhem. Well, I cannot. Right? I, yeah, you're absolutely right. I cannot thank you for taking your time to share a little bit of of that and a lot of what is going to make Candy Cane Lane just awesome. If you haven't if you haven't seen it yet. As you can see on the napkins behind him, <laughs> Amazon Prime. If you've got that, you can see it. And of course, you number can, one worldwide for a reason. It's yeah, like it's 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 doing it. But not just that. Uh, as he alluded to earlier, he teaches classes on acting. And the best way to get a hold of you is on your website for that. Correct? Yeah, website is oncameraworkouts.com. Uh, we also have an Instagram page that has lots of free videos and stuff up there. It's on, it's at on camera workouts, plural. Um, I also have my Instagram page, which I throw up auditions and things like that. Um, it's James Dumont, D-U-M-O-N-T. And uh, those are the best ways to kind of reach. And it's really not so much of an acting class as an on camera workout, teaching people about self tapes. I'm very clear that I'm not an acting teacher or, you know, there's techniques and things that are pulled from all different kinds of things, but it's mostly geared towards learning how to create an audition from start to finish. I do this thing called the core lab, which I'm doing tonight when we, and we pick a show and we did the gemstones, we pick gemstones and we, and we, we read the entire script together as a group and we break down that entire script. Then I pull four scenes from it and we break down the structure of each of those four scenes. That's the second week. And the third week, then people start to shoot it as an odd. They pick a scene, they shoot it with their cameras or whatever they have, and they upload it. And we watch playback in terms of the eye lines and working the frame. And then fourth wall work is, is the core four is when we're really trying to paint pictures on the other side of this camera, the ability to be able to visually take words on a page and create a visual story within the frame. So I basically teach people to go a step-by-step -step approach from what all your, you need to know um, from start to finish. And and then we also do what we did today was we do workouts, which is kind of like going to the gym. It's like they get eight, they get eight sides or four sides to choose from. Like I'm their agent. I gave them an audition. They shoot it and have to offload it by a certain time. And then we watch their playback and they learn by watching other actors. You can, other actors are reading the same scenes. So the idea is just to keep your, uh, you're going to the gym, you know? So it's different than a, a set class of six week, eight weeks thing. It's a drop in, drop out. I always say to people, come and observe. You'll learn more in three hours of our class than, you know, months of class sometimes. Um, we work very quickly. And, you know, I'm happy to say thanks since COVID and, you know, the Internet. I, you know, I have over 1,300 students that have come in and out of my classes. My classes are small. 
the day class is just six people, the light class, no more than 15. Um, so I keep them very small. I do privates with people. I watch their self tapes, look at their demo reels. I give them career blueprint stuff, uh, ways in which to kind of, so I, you know, for me, it's about being of service and giving back. I've had an incredible career thus far. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes of which I'm trying to help my fellow artists not to fall into the same potholes and mistakes that I've done. And, uh, yeah, for me, it's about, I think there's, you know, if you really, I, I think the only value in knowledge and experience is if you can share it. I feel like what's the point of me keeping all this to myself when there are people that really need and want um, help, you know? Yeah. And so um, you really pay for my time and my experience. Uh, I don't really charge as much as I probably should. Um, but I want to make it affordable for people that, you know, are working or have jobs or, you know, are trying to maybe do this. A lot of my students are older, have raised kids, have other jobs. Some are younger, just out of school, you know, but I, I try to make it uh, financially affordable. Classes are 40 bucks or 20 bucks. If you're observing, you know, 50 bucks to participate, you know, so I try to keep it reasonable so that, you know, it's not about, you know, you, you can only, only those who have the money to afford to get trained can, can do that. So. Well, if nothing else, even if this isn't uh, going to be something that you would look at as a vocation, it's a nice peek behind the curtain to kind of see. Oh, I, I definitely go. found a calling. I found another part of myself that I didn't, that I, I had a much more negative. I used to think, you know, those who teach can't act, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's the, it's the polar opposite of that. I've become such a better actor because I have to learn how to articulate what I do. And I have to find more expedient ways to do that in order to it to translate and for people to understand. So the way in work I work that I work now is it, it's at a, it would never have been possible had it not been for, you know, the last eight years of coaching. So, you know, it's a, uh, and the fact that you really can and impact and change people's lives, you know, in fact, my assistant would say save their lives by letting them do the things that they always wanted to do. Otherwise they would have lived and died in the same town that they were and nobody would have known. That's right. So. You got to follow that passion. And that's right. And putting people, the the best way to follow the passion for us is to visit us on Patreon. <laughs> support exactly. support the pudding guys. But uh, that's no, right. No, seriously though, thank you again for for coming to coming on the show and just giving us a, a, a bright part of the day. This is my favorite part of what I do. And uh, yeah, and I absolutely. hope you continue to have success. I hope that Righteous Gemstones does indeed run for 10 seasons because I'd, yeah, I'd watch or it. more. I'm down for all of it. Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, this is a great, uh, uh, just at the end, uh, Gemstones is the perfect binge watching over the holidays. It's oh, not yeah. for all the whole family. I mean, Candy Cane is for the whole family. You can walk away. You don't have to worry about what your kid's going to watch. Gemstones, not so much, but mm. but there's it's a great binge watcher. So there you go. Definitely.